welcome back to another episode of Banter, the official policy podcast of the American Enterprise Institute. I'm Max Frost. Joining me today is Matt Weinset. Hey, glad to be back. I'm glad to have you back. Uh, Matt, who do we have on the show today? You say that like I'm a guest. I'm always here, <laughs> uh, except for that one time. We are very happy to be joined today by Carlin Bowman. She's a senior fellow here at AEI, and she studies public opinion polling. And there's no better time for her to join us because we're talking about impeachment, what's going on with Trump impeachment, where the polls stand, how the public sees it, and more importantly, or maybe more interestingly, how this compares to the Clinton impeachment and the Nixon Watergate scandal. And we also get a bit into talking about Democratic primaries, how it's looking, what the uh, opinion polling is showing right now. This Does Andrew Yang stand a chance? Is this Warren Mentum actually true or is Biden still the front runner as I've been saying this whole time? We have all the answers well, coming we have, right up. <laughs> we or Carlin has a lot of the answers and the, the polls have a lot of the answers. But it's super interesting. I mean, if, you, if you're interested at all in the impeachment process or the Democratic primary, you're going to come away from this far more knowledgeable than when you first turned on the iTunes podcast app. So without further ado, here is Carlin Bowman. Carlin, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you. So briefly, we're in the through all of this giant news cycle about impeachment, and we won't bore everybody with all the who called who what on the Ukraine transcript and whatnot. Can you just briefly characterize how would you say the public currently views impeachment? We've had a lot of polls in the last two years on impeachment, and at this point, you do not have majority support for impeachment, though it's edging very close to a majority in a few polls. The public is deeply divided. As we know, partisanship is intense in the country these days, and that's what we see in the public opinion polls. But only one poll thus far since Pelosi made her announcement last week has shown majority support for impeachment. Hmm. How firm are the beliefs and the ideas that people have about this? I mean, people's beliefs about Trump are very, very firm. Um, I think Americans do not want to go through the whole impeachment process at this particular point. They recognize that it just will create more divisiveness and tension overall. I'm not sure how much they know about what happens during an impeachment process. They re they may remember some of the Clinton impeachment and what we went through as a country then. Um, but that said, the polls, at least on Trump, have been remarkably consistent for a very long time. He's holding his base of about 38 to 42 percent. And uh, in all of the polls asking whether or not he should be reelected, uh, more people say no than say yes. So uh, the support for impeachment is trending up a little bit, though, I believe. Yes. Is that mainly because Democrats are coming around to it or are any independents changing their minds? Democrats are hardening their views in five of the um, immediate seven polls that we got right after the Pelosi announcements. And in two of them, um, independents are moving a little. Of course, Republicans aren't moving at all. But Democrats seem to be hardening their views, and that's what's changed. These polls were all instant polls. Many of them were done for one day a decade or two ago. No pollster would do a poll or a single day. But now we have that because there's so much competition in the business overall. I want to wait for another week to see what's changed, particularly if the news cycle moves on to other things. Bernie Sanders' um, uh, heart oh, yeah, replacements today, today, he's hospitalized today, you know, things like that could, could change things. I think a number of people have suggested that the Democratic field has been sort of frozen in place by this. I think that's true. We haven't seen any movement um, in the Democratic field. Yeah. And you've mentioned how Trump's support has been so hard since he was elected. Do you think that will – I mean, I, I I could be totally wrong, but I just can't really see much of that changing for – I can't see many Republicans coming around to impeachment. 
No, I can't say it either. It's just been rock hard among Republicans for so long. Um, when you ask Republicans if they would, if they want to see Trump renominated or they'd like to see Mark Sanford or some of the others, Walsh or Sestak, um, you only get about 2% saying that they want to see somebody else other than Trump. So the Republican Party right. is very, very solid, a total of 2% each um, of those other, of the three other candidates at this particular point. So it's, it's, uh, you still have roughly 75 to 78% overall saying they're strongly, they're supportive of Trump. And I, like you, would be surprised if anything changed radically. Now, if you look at, you know, Clinton or Nixon, is it is there a trend where once somebody is getting impeached, the party just stick behind? I know Nixon was abandoned pretty much by the Republicans at one point. Before impeachment though, right? Before impeachment. Were the, were the polls for Nixon, were, were, did the public turn against him, even his own party? And that's why he stepped down before impeachment even began? <laughs> Certainly Republicans in the Senate eventually turned against Nixon. The Nixon situation isn't comparable for a lot of reasons. There's some things that are similar. It was a very, very good economy and opposition to Nixon built very slowly over a long period of time. And so we watched it go up um, over a period of time. And finally, it was pretty clear that the public wanted Nixon to leave. And um, he then resigned in August of 1974. There were consequences of that. The Republicans lost the House. Um, and in 76, Ford lost his election, all perhaps related to Nixon. Clinton situation was very different. Um, and Nixon was in, in after his reelection was going into a pretty deep recession, a, a very serious recession that may have contributed to the negative views of Nixon going up. Um, for Clinton, the economy was red hot. At no point did more than 35% of Americans say that Clinton should be impeached. I want to get back to Clinton soon, but just on Nixon again, the, the story that I've been told, I wasn't alive at the time, is that Nixon was preparing to hang on to power. He had won in 72 by a huge margin. And it wasn't until the Republican senators came to him and said, for the good of the party, you need to step down. Absolutely. Can anything... I don't really imagine Trump cares a whole lot about the good of the party. So do you see any type of similar situation coming? It's hard to answer the hypothetical. Those are always tricky. Um, at this point, I don't see the evidence of that. Some people who might peel off the Ben Sasses of the world are being a little bit more tentative. Lindsey Graham, full-throated um, support at this particular point. Um, I suppose that could change. I'm not sure what changes it, but again, it's hard to look into the crystal ball. Yeah, but McConnell did say he would bring the he yes. up the trial in the Senate at least. Absolutely, but you don't expect many of this any maybe Romney at, at the most Possibly. to actually yeah. support removal. And do you think Absolutely. the public in these polls, when they're polled saying, "Do you support impeachment?" Do you think they conflate removal and impeachment, or do you think there's a lot of people out there that would support impeachment but aren't sure about removal yet? I haven't seen any polls that ask that question. That's a very good question. Um, certainly, I think people are re being reminded that impeachment is something that the House does and the trial happens in the Senate. Um, but again, I haven't seen anything on that yet. I think they are just beginning to tune in to the fact that this may be significantly more serious, or at least the Democrats are suggesting it was more serious than the Mueller uh, charges and investigation. Yeah. Now, I know it's impossible to do a counterfactual, but I'll ask anyways. I mean, it seems to me that people now – impeachment has been a word that's been floating around since the day Trump was elected, even before Trump was elected. So now it's just to so many you know, tens of millions of Americans, it's boy who cried wolf. Do you see it that way or do you think that if this – if this was the first time we had heard an actual impeachment, you know, motivation for impeachment, would 
would it be different? Would you have lots of Republicans saying, oh, we should consider this? And now they're just so tired of it. It's just become such a trope about yeah, the Democrats, yeah. impeachment, impeachment. I think it's possible that um, senators, Republican senators could move. I think what, one thing we haven't talked about yet is whether the public's just exhausted yeah. by all of this and the public just wants this to be over, that they're so tired of the back and forth that what you might have is the public just becoming exhausted by the whole thing. Um would it have changed if it came at a different time? Again, I think that's just so hard to yeah. so hard to answer. Um, possibly, why do you think so? Uh, I mean, I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know how representative we are. As yeah. working in DC. No, I, I I I think most people when I go when I go back home, I'm from a small town in New York. When I go back home, there's lots of Trump lots of Trump supporters. Yeah, and I mean, it's just like a joke. It's like. You're going to impeach the president. You know, it's like everyone just kind of jokes about it. It's, no one takes it seriously. They just say it's yeah. a witch hunt. Trump seemed completely yeah. vindicated in that last time. The markets haven't taken it seriously no. yet, which I think is also very interesting. Yeah. I mean, but there's a flip side of that where every, for every person that supported Trump saying now, like, oh, they've been after him since he won. The Mueller report was a dud, blah, 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 blah. You've got the people on the other side. I have family members among people like this who say, oh, now they finally got him. Like the Mueller report, we thought we had him. Now we actually have him. He's done exactly. now. So. Maybe this just gets back to both sides have just hardened in their belief. Absolutely. The divisions in the country are so deep. They're so much deeper than they were during the Nixon era or the Clinton era. There's no question about that. Now, I mean, could there be an aspect of that? You talk about fatigue and people are tired of this. I, I could see that working either way, where in 2020, you can essentially have this like a kamikaze attack against Trump. And then there, people are just going to say, I don't want any more. I don't even want to hear about impeachment. I don't want any of the controversy. Let me just get Trump out of there. Do you think that's part of the strategy here or no? It's possible. Again, it's just so hard to say. Yeah. Um, it's just really hard to say. I think I'm sorry not to be answering yeah. definitively, but I honestly don't have a gut on that one. Yeah. 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 And every time I gave a definitive prediction in 2016, I was dead <laughs> or wrong. So trying to avoid that too. What? So what does the lesson of the Clinton impeachment teach us where in that case, he was impeached by the Republican controlled house, I believe, but obviously not removed. Did that did that fight tend to help the Democrats or help the Republicans? And like in 20 now, if the Democrats impeach Trump, do you think that would help politically the Republicans in 2020 or the it, Democrats? It's certainly in the Clinton impeachment, it certainly helped the Democrats. Um, no question about it. Um, I think people thought the personal problems Clinton had had, they wish they had stayed personal, that they hadn't been the subject of the Star Report and the like. Um, in this case, again, different facts different atmosphere, more partisan divisions. Will they feel the same way about Trump? Again, once again, I'm sorry to say it's hard to say. But so it, yeah. it is interesting though that so the impeachment proceedings helped the party that was being impeached. That's right. So it's possible That's now right. and Republicans now point to I mean I've yeah. seen I've read some stuff that had a column that yeah. said maybe Trump wants to be impeached because yes. it will give him an enemy that he can because he won't be removed probably. And it will Probably. supply him with an enemy that he can rally against. Absolutely. And his base has been so solid all along. Um, remember, he won with 46% of the vote. He's at 38 to 42 in most polls right now. And isn't that hard to get to 46, particularly if you have third-party candidates, as we we certainly will. So in that sense, it might be good to have an, have an enemy. But, um, boy, this is just a fast-moving. Yeah. Some Republicans, too, will compare this or they'll point to the Kavanaugh effect where they say that the Kavanaugh – and I think you've done polling on this. The the Kavanaugh fight might have energized Republican voters who came out who were pretty lukewarm, but then they saw the way the Democrats attacked Kavanaugh and they came out to support him. Did that actually – The survey data is pretty clear that in a few places that did happen. So do you think that could happen again with the impeachment? 
again, Trump himself is such a polarizing figure. It's just hard. It's hard to know whether he can go beyond that base that we know he's had for so long. Yeah. So are there any are there any specific events throughout Trump's presidency that have had a definitively negative or positive impact? I mean, people always thought, you know, there's Stormy Daniels, the Mueller investigation, Russia, everything about Russia, you know, the firing of different people, the Michael Flynn, every, you know, everything. Well, um, there have been little blips along the way, but opinion has been so stable you can balance a glass of water on it uh, throughout. So these there haven't been many ripples in terms of any big events. But how does that compare to past presidents? Are there generally fluctuations where you can see over time someone moving from, say, 40 to 60 percent or 40 to 20 percent? Uh, when you move from a 40 to a 60 percent, it's usually because there's an extraordinarily good economy or something like that. It's... Uh, or a 9-11 or an extraordinary event. Um, for Reagan, you saw the numbers move up and spectacularly and for a while in the second term before Iran-Contra. And certainly Bush's numbers skyrocketed after 9-11. Um, Obama was very popular to begin, and he followed the same sort of trajectory that most parent presidents do. They sort of decline gradually over time and then plateau at a certain point. Um, and uh, Trump, the opinions are what they were. When yeah, he came to town. Trump, I mean, we don't have the historical perspective that you do, but Trump seems pretty unique because when I look back, I mean, you look back at the Bush and Obama presidencies and Bush went from incredibly popular to horribly unpopular. Yeah. Granted, he had Katrina and the recession. Right. And But even Obama seemed to have, he went from pretty high to, to pretty low. They all and, follow that trajectory in some ways, some is steeper than others. Yeah. And, but but I've, I mean, I've got the RCP average for Trump in front of me and he's actually seems to be doing better now than twenty. Mid, like, well, I mean, he hasn't changed much at all. But no, like, if anything, again, the trend might be. He's slightly. moving in a very narrow range. Yeah. Um, exactly. But it's a, it's a very stable range. We haven't seen anything quite like that. Interestingly, if you look at the new polls, um, and I'm people might have expected that his approval rating would change, and it hasn't in any of these polls at all. So that's a pretty solid number, at least thus far. Again, some of these polls are one-day polls. Um, they were done on Tuesday night. Just uh, one or two of them started interviewing on Tuesday night, the night that Pelosi made her announcement. Um, so again, we need more time to see what people are really thinking. Yeah. It isn't necessarily a rush to judgment. It's just that they are. there's so many polls, there's so much competition, and it just seems to me that it's not a very useful exercise to have this deluge of, of survey research. How is Trump looking in the swing states? Again, we I don't think we have enough polls at this point to know. Um, he's below where he needs to be in the industrial Midwest. There's no question about that. In the recent polls that we have, the Marquette poll in Wisconsin, um, trying to think of the Pennsylvania or Michigan polls that I've looked at recently, there haven't been any brand new ones since this happened that I'm aware of. But we'll want to watch those to see where he is in the swing states. But he's got trouble in those states. I mean, it was surprising to me that he went to New Mexico, surprising to me that he went, what was the other state he went to last week? Looks to me like they're trying to broaden the base as a kind of wall against uh, what may be happening in the industrial Midwest. Um, those states are very different from many of the states of the United States. If you look, for example, the Democrats selected Milwaukee to be their convention city. Um, Wisconsin's about 80 percent 
percent white and Milwaukee's about sixty percent white. Very smart move, I think, on the Democrats' part because that's going to be so consequential. And if they have a good convention, um, yeah, and uh, and Hillary kind of famously did not go to Wisconsin much, if at all. No, uh, Stan Greenberg, the Democratic pollster, has accused uh, the Clinton campaign of malpractice, um, just saying you know they weren't pulling in those key industrial Midwestern states toward the end, and you absolutely had to in a contest that everybody thought could be close. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember reading something now that recently about some people on the Hillary team, they thought she was going to win, but they thought she might lose the popular vote. So they devoted some resources to like trying to turn out the vote in Chicago and big cities just to make sure they were legitimate. And that, I mean, if you tried to write that into a script for like House of Cards, they'd say, oh, that's too unrealistic. Who could be that? Absolutely. Dumb? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot of blame to go around in that campaign. So now do you, I mean, do you do research on the Democratic primary? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, okay. do you I mean, do you mind if we no, not to that a bit? Okay. So what are you seeing? I mean, major major trends. Obviously, we okay. see Biden, Warren. Every, everyone now is talking about Warren, 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 Warren. Exactly. The poll data. Yeah, she's support. clearly pulled up a little in the summer. She's had from the beginning an excellent organization in Iowa. We haven't seen her uh, new quarterly fundraising numbers at this point. I mean, Bernie Sanders obviously had a huge haul at $25 million. Trump has so much more money. Trump has more raised more money in the last quarter than all of the Democratic candidates combined. That's going to be important uh, uh, going forward. Um I think Biden's still on top. About 30 percent of the Democratic primary electorate is African-American, and African-Americans are holding very strong for Trump right now. That's certainly for Biden. Excuse me, for Biden. (laughs) Yes, for Biden right now. Uh, It's particularly true in South Carolina. State will watch very carefully because that has a large African-American population. Um, The African-American vote in primaries is pretty much of a block vote. Um, If you look back to the Obama-Clinton Early on, uh, favored Clinton over Obama, but when it was clear that Obama could win after Iowa, then blacks moved massively to him. If you looked at Hillary versus Sanders, blacks were in Hillary's camp in the next election overall. Right now, they're solidly in Joe Biden's camp, but if he looks weak in Iowa and New Hampshire, and he's already beginning to do what many candidates do, um, just suggesting, well, we might not do as well in Iowa as we expect to do. And and uh, that's really going to be, um, he's already downplaying exp- expectations in both Iowa and New Hampshire. He's got to win South Carolina big if he does poorly in either of those states overall. No question that Warren's been coming up. Sanders could give her a run, uh, depending on his health concerns, but he could give her a run in um, in New Hampshire. I mean, he's still drawing support from younger voters who don't turn out in as substantial numbers as older voters. Um, organization matters. Asking people for their votes matters. And that's clearly what Warren has been doing in Iowa for a very long time. And I think that explains what we're seeing in the in the Iowa poll. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a strong rooting interest in the Democratic primary, but we have kind of a long running bet where I, I've been saying since day one, Biden is going to win. And I think you've disagreed with me. I think I've, I've gotten on here saying Elizabeth Warren probably even like eight months ago. Well, this is my oh, wow. concern now with Biden, though, is that I mean, I still like as you say, he's got the black vote now. But if he doesn't win Iowa or New Hampshire, which now seems like he's it's possible, the, the black vote in South Carolina could then totally swing to Warren. Absolutely, right? the black vote could move. Though I don't know whether the African Americans going to like Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. They have been. As a group, um, Tom Etzel's column in the New York Times a couple of, about a week ago suggesting the black vote may be becoming more conservative. Mm. 
I'm just not clear at this point whether they're going to warm up to Warren. They certainly haven't warmed up to Kamala Harris. She's got an interesting strategy using uh, the network of uh, historically black colleges and the network of black sororities. Um, But again, hasn't been making much headway overall. I don't see Buttigieg's being strong in the African-American community. It is a more conservative community on some social issues. Um, Is it fair, do you think, to say it's a three-person race now between Biden, Warren, and Sanders? I think someone could emerge, but right now I think that's fair. Is there any reason at all I should keep deluding myself yes. by thinking about Andrew Yang? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andrew Yang had a very good uh, fundraising quarter, um, but uh, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think so. He was leading Kamala Harris in California in one poll. That was pretty impressive. I saw that. What, yeah. Yeah, what do you think happened? Because for, for a little bit, there is a Kamala Harris kind of boomlet, it looked like, exactly. and now she's just been on the decline. Was that just because of a poor debate performance, do you think? I'm not sure she did herself any favors in the debates. Um, pointing the finger at Biden, I don't think, was a very attractive uh, uh, beginning uh, way for it. I mean, she's very warm, and she can introduce herself to crowds when you watch her as the center of attention. I think she can be very impressive. But um, no, she just hasn't caught fire, has she? I think you, you have to have that kind of personal connection. And apparently, Elizabeth Warren has it in Iowa, and, and Bernie's already, always had it with a strong group of younger voters in particular. And and Biden has more broad-based support, but certainly strong African-American support. The Democratic Party has clearly become more liberal over the course of the Obama years, and particularly white liberals are, um, if you look at the polling data that's able to break out groups of um, Democratic voters, white liberals are much farther, quite a bit farther to the left than moderate um, Democrats uh, or the small number of conservative Democrats are more liberal than African-American Democrats on a lot of issues overall. So, um, I mean, what happens in our primaries is that everything's pulled to the extremes and then everybody scrambles for the center. Um, Whether they can get back to the center with these candidates, it's hard to know. I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Well, we're, al- <laughs> we're almost out of time. So maybe a final question. Does I-, I mean, you just talked about the ideology of the Democratic electorate. Does ideology really matter as much anymore? I mean, if, if there's one thing I took from 2016, and maybe this is the wrong lesson for me to take, was that political ideology does maybe doesn't matter as much as we think it does because Trump seems to go against so many shibboleths of the GOP orthodoxy on trade and foreign policy and that. So do, do you think... We, we talked about moving like the, the, some people are more progressive, some people are more moderate in the primary electorate. But do we do you think we overstate that? I think it matters a lot in the Democratic side. Um, and I think a lot of elite Democrats have been pulling that party farther to the left. I'm not sure the party really ought to go there or wants to go there. And I think that will learn as these primaries and caucuses begin to play out. All right. Well, keep an eye on it. And hopefully we can have you back after... My bet comes true and Biden wins. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so or, much. Or Andrew Yang comes back. Carla, thank, thank you so much. Thank huh? you. Thank you. Well, thank you all for listening. We hope that you enjoyed. If you did, as always, rate five stars, like, retweet, subscribe, share, subscribe, tell your friends. Tell your friends, leave a review. And I will say I was very, very pleased uh, I think it was Monday morning of this week. I came in the office about 9.30 a.m. I got a phone call from Mom of Littles who left kind of an unpleasant comment on the podcast and we read it off last week. And she called and we had a nice conversation. So, you know, all of you guys. We do answer. We do answer. We are men of the people. We are. We are of the people. By the people, for the people. We are accessible at banter at if you don't want to leave a comment or a phone call. But, you know, as we've said a thousand times, you know what I just said, you know. 
And that was what the comment was about last week, was Mama Flittle saying we say you know far too often. And I'm embarrassed to say I listened to it again, and she's right. We do say you know a few too many times. Us millennials know all. So <laughs> that's why we could say you know. You know everything. Um, but we're happy that to always hear feedback from you all and email. I, I was going to say text. We don't want to give away our phone numbers. But you yeah. can reach us however you want, and we're always happy to hear from you. Yeah, and we kind of double as um, therapy dogs, too. You know? <laughs> if you need someone to make you feel better, give us a call. We'll talk to you. But no, it's it's nice because we exist in the confines of a swampy think tank in D.C. So when we interact with people who actually are out there in the heartland, in middle America, in places that are not – liberal swamps <laughs> it's very pleasant are you to inter- AEI liberal swamp? <laughs> I'm calling the I, I city of the city of liberal this swamp. is far from a swamp did we talk about how we got protested oh yeah we did by the climate yeah we did uh, yeah i mean they do not think we're part of the liberal swamp i'll tell you that much maybe the swamp i'm just saying this whole this whole city is kind of sinking yeah although i i don't know i don't really always agree with the whole heartland versus real america versus city divide more people live in cities than that so maybe the cities are real america now maybe the people in the heartland or maybe are, the cities are a perversion of true american culture Maybe. Now you're getting all philosophical. Andrew Jackson. Sorry, Andrew Jackson. Oh, my God. What about Alexander Hamilton versus Thomas Jefferson? Well, we've we've had that debate. (laughs) No, Um, I mean, I don't know. I I think people overhype the whole distinction between real America and the cities because if more – I mean, you could make the argument that New York City is a better representation of America than Ohio, for example, because New York City has all this diversity, all these people – Immigrants, people that have been in America for generations now, they have it all. Whereas one could argue a lot of these heartland states are overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly people that have been here for their whole lives and not as representative well, of modern America. I don't know if I don't know if I feel like with that. I mean, like what's a heartland state? South Carolina. South Carolina is going to be majority black in the coming years. It's incredibly diverse. And it's probably I mean, it's a excellent. Then again, that's I guess not representative, but. I don't know. I mean, so you have stopped you. I, the, the point is, I think what I what I mean is that I think it's a mistake to go too far in either direction, where people can act like the heartland opinions are the only ones that matter. And I think no, I, I think, think of course it's not true. I think, I think I think it is silly to say that the real America versus like Im- implicitly the not real America. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. What 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 are you saying that DC's not? Well, maybe DC's not real. Well, I mean, I guess to to be honest though, I don't think cities themselves. Well, when you say most people live in cities, yeah. Most people, do they live in cities themselves? I think most people probably live in suburbs of cities, are much more conservative than the people who actually live in the cities themselves. I don't know what people who live in cities, I don't think like the city urban like young your neighbors li- and Adams Morgan. The urban the urban young liberal mentality is not representative of the country in any way. Hmm. Uh, that's probably right. Uh, this gets to a greater distinction though, I think people have made before about how a lot of modern cities, they're so cosmopolitan where you'll if you're a affluent person in New York City or DC maybe you might feel more at home or at least more in your element in London or Paris or Vienna than you would in Youngstown, Ohio or somewhere because it, it's it, like the distinction seems to be – maybe this is what they mean by real America versus implicitly not real America is that the moder- the, the cosmopolitan huge cities in America now are just more representative of like a global city yeah. feel than a specifically American one. Yeah. I mean you also have a lot of, a lot of the same people I'm talking about here urban millennials have like these ideas of open borders and like you know there's citizens of the world and that whole kind of thing which is like all right <laughs> if you're a citizen of the world you're a citizen of nothing like ah okay <laughs> okay teresa may <laughs> i think that's did she say that she said so- i don't know if that was her i mean she had a whole thing about her bre- her original teresa may teresa may's original pitch about brexit was yeah letting a 
something about, I forget her exact quote now, but it was about being a citizen of somewhere versus nowhere. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, a Britain thing. Uh, obviously, that did not work out very well for her. Boris Johnson apparently just gave a great speech at the Conservative Party conference. Is this, yeah. Like yesterday or two days I ago. I saw now. something in the news about it. And I just saw they some he's, he's making a last ditch appeal here to uh, save Brexit. Yeah, or to, get a, Brexit, so the, to get a Brexit deal. The, the Spectator thing I read said that it was, it was the better speech than May or Cameron ever gave. But it was obviously like a uh, pre-election speech where I think the opinion seems to be they won't get Brexit, but they will get a general election maybe, and maybe after that though, who knows? It's also it doesn't matter. For those of our listeners, I don't, some of I'm sure that some of you are familiar with it, but the Spectator. Is is it the longest running magazine in the world? In England, at least. In, in, in England. And they just opened up their US um, branch here. And some of y'all might find their stuff interesting. Have you got your print copy yet? Not yet. Neither have I. But I know I saw one in AEI two days ago. So oh. the deliveries have gone out, I think. Yeah, I feel, I feel like some of the, like I, I've, I, I know some of the British stuff, but somebody sent me a link to the American um, version the other day. I was reading some of it. It's kind of refreshing. Which like one? A, um, no, just like to the American US yeah, version I, of the website. I didn't, I didn't know if you had a column in mind. Yeah. No, I like the one about the journalists. Did you read the one about how to – did I send you that? I don't know. About advice for aspiring journalists? Oh, no. I don't think I – you might have sent it back. It was really good. It was really good. I'll look into that. Yeah, they've, they've got some I'm, – I'm excited to see what they come up with. And I did get my free pen from my subscription. I don't know oh, if you've been that. mailed your pen yet, no. but it's a nice pen. I mean, it's just you – real, you realize that there really is kind of a lack of – first of all, I love the like, kind of like that British style of writing. Yeah. That's like – it's much more like – engaging a lot of it's not nearly as dry as half the stuff you read in places here yeah the sense of humor is understated but always present i yeah. feel like and i, I mean and are, are the writers here british that they have so most of them i think but not all of them i, I don't know i don't know how the, i don't know the percentage breakdown but i know but yeah the british writing this is why i mean you know i love ellen wall and graham green books is just the 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 humor underneath the all the writing is just so it's on the nose and it's always very amusing yeah it's good well with that, it's probably time that we bid you adieu. Matt is going off to Canada tomorrow, becoming a true. <laughs> well, I'm going. To, I'm going to... going to save Justin Trudeau's political <laughs> prospects here. I, I'm going to real Canada, though the wilderness outside of Calgary, not this, you know, <laughs> Banff National Park, nah, not, or... the, not this cosmopolitan <laughs> Toronto, Montreal life or whatever they have. Talk, talk with the locals about Trudeau and see how they feel about his about his recent. Oh, uh, I don't. I'm not as extroverted. Dude, that story. You, but... That story went out like nothing. That was like huge for like three days, and I haven't seen anything about well, it. Well, same with the Ralph Northam thing. I mean, yeah. blackface stories. If you're apparently they are just swept under the rug. I don't know. I'll I'll try to ask some of the locals what they think, but I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy that hire new hire an Uber driver just to ask him what he thinks about about Justin Trudeau. Okay, I'll. I'll... Channel my inner Tom Friedman and <laughs> write a sweeping column for the New York Times about politics based on what one Uber driver says. All right, we'll look for that. Uh, I don't know where that will be published, but maybe maybe we'll have, maybe Spectator USA will pick it up. Until then, we'll be back next week, and hope you all tune in then. You always do that, right? When I turn it's like it's like forcing me up. I don't know why. It's like yeah. very. It's a really odd sound coming through the head. <laughs> all right, let's all just start talking casually. Okay, testing one, two, three, four. Let's talk casually. <laughs> <laughs>